0: Welcome to the EV Ready Podcast, featuring industry leaders and their perspectives on electrification, hosted by EV Ready Energy. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the EV Ready Podcast. My name is Chris Nyan, um, and I am glad to have David Gao, Director of Automotive Sales for North America, join us today
1: hey what's up buddy it's good to uh connect with you I'm seeing your smiley face on uh on our zoom calls so I'll, I'll always pleasure my mood
0: yeah just for context for everybody I used to work at ChargePoint. David and I used to harass each other every single day uh we don't harass each other every day anymore but uh we still like to stay in touch as much as we can um and and look like we've known each other since when 10 years ago at and at, at the solar city solar Dave, City, city. yeah Back when you were living in Western Massachusetts. That's right. That's
1: right. Good memories.
0: (laughs) And we were trying to get you to Boston.
1: That's right. That's right. Good memories.
0: Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, for those who don't know David Gao, uh, best dressed person in the room, I had to ask him to be more casual today so that I could (laughs) so that I could compete but he just has so much experience uh, in the industry at ChargePoint, um, talking to different types of customers. And I wanted to have him on the podcast so that he could give his perspective on the industry. if you know David Gal, you know that he is very focused on things outside of work as well. So want to pick his brain on that. But yeah, hopefully just have a good conversation back and forth. And um, and yeah, again, I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, man, just real
1: quick, Chris, like just hats off to you for creating this podcast. I know that if I was either new to the industry or if I was looking to, I guess, just cut the learning curve as quickly as possible in terms of learning all things, either Electric vehicle charging, or maybe it's sustainability, depending on where you take this podcast. You know, I, I think this is a great benefit and will be a great tool to a lot of the not only sales professionals out there, but hopefully some of the customers too. So that's all.
0: Well, thanks for that. The checks in the mail.
1: <laughs>
0: You're always welcome to come back on it. Um, but yeah, hopefully this is helpful in general, this this podcast, because, you know, the intention is to get uh, industry leaders such as yourself on here every week, kind of bring in a different perspective because. If you know, if you've been on the phone with me before and we've talked about EV charging, you've heard me say this industry is the wild, wild west. And to get different perspectives, I think is the best way to make, you know, decisions for yourself. And so hopefully it's also a little bit entertaining as well.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: So hey, first thing, because I want people to get to know you, because that's you know, that's that's when you're at your best. Tell me a little bit about like what drives you, what makes you successful, what 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 you do every day, like some professional tips.
1: Yeah, I love this. This is a topic very near and dear to my heart. So professional tips, I think, well, for starters, I think what the interesting thing about success is I think success leaves clues. And so the ability to um, find people like yourself or or find people that share a passion for um, being successful and putting your best foot forward, like it's out there. Um, And just modeling behavior that I've had the privilege of seeing in my 20 year sales career whether that's here at ChargePoint and the executive leadership, or just some of the past jobs that I've had, um, Jim Rohn, one of my favorite authors, um, and it may in the show notes, right. Jim Rohn would be a, a good book for everybody to read in terms of inf- efficiency, but, um, Jim Rohn has a quote that says, work harder on yourself than you do on your job. Right. And I like to think that all of us work pretty darn hard on our, on our job. So that means you really got to put forth some effort um really working on yourself and to me that's kind of mind body you know it encompasses you know i know you you're a workout team too chris i think that's a there's a discipline in those daily activities right and i think that discipline naturally translates over to the day-to-day activity on the job so um i guess the biggest thing would just be being a student you know study success read as much as you can um and then just work on yourself constantly that's that's what has has proven pretty successful for me
0: what's the and and I won't ask this for everybody on every on every you know podcast but you're just so in tune with yourself like what's the number one thing you do for your mental health
1: every morning i write you know i write and i get a lot of i think the noise out of my head and on the paper before i like start my morning routine of like working out and stuff And I think it's just a check-in, you know, for me, I wake up pretty early and it's quiet and there's no emails going off or anything like that. And and, and that habit has served me well, because as you know, once you get to 8am or 9am, you know, it's live, everything's going off and and the distractions sure enough will come in. So for me, writing just gets me in tune like each and every morning and, and just kind of sets the tone of a, of this quiet place that actually I look forward to like every, every morning. So that's awesome. How about yourself though, Chris? Like, what do you have going on? Like, I know you're a routine guy. Like what's working for you?
0: I am. I am. Yeah. So, so I have one thing that I need to do in the morning. So I have to work out. And then, so the gym I go to, uh, anyone's familiar with a lifetime fitness. Yeah. uh, A lot of them, they'll have a sauna, they'll have a steam room, they'll have a cold plunge. Yeah. I have to do those every single day. I'm spending 30 minutes, 45 minutes, Hot room, steam room, cold plunge after working out every single day. Yeah. And uh, once I get through that, I'm right. You know, I can kind of, I'm
1: good to go. It's kind of like bring it on, right? Like after you're able to do that, it's like. Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: The cold plunge is tough. You know, a lot of people just go in there. I have to really, you know, mentally prepare for that thing. (laughs) I could have swore,
1: like you and I discussed this like months ago, but you were like anti cold plunge, weren't you at one time or... Is this like a new...
0: Yeah. So for people who don't know my situation right now, I have a a two-year-old, a four-year-old and my wife uh, is uh, due next week. Probably by the time this airs, hopefully that child will be here.
1: Congrats again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And so I was doing a lot of things right, but I just kind of like, I got to that point, um, you know, you're kind of three weeks out. I think the term is nesting, but I got to the point about three weeks out where I said, like, you know, starting a new company. Um... It's taken a ton of time, and but I also want to be the best version of myself, like best father. So I said, you know, I have to get eight plus hours of sleep every night. Got to work out, and I got to make sure I'm eating healthy. Uh, so like I'm kind of on on my A game right now. And and the, the the capstone of that was finally getting my skinny self into the cold plunge. So I started doing that last week. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I think it's, I think it's great, man. I think it's interesting how though, like when you say you're kind of like on point, how it translates over to every other aspect of life. Like when you exercise and practice self-care, how that helps you. Start your own business and run the day to day, how that helps you be a better just man with your family. And it's, it's just, you know, it's that adage too. Like, this is a terrible analogy, but everyone's familiar with it. Like, if the plane's going down, you put your oxygen mask on first and then help others. Yeah. And I think that's so important, like in the day to day with just personal development and becoming better.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, my, so you got to recognize your personality and like, and who you are and your strengths and your weaknesses and sometimes certain qualities you have are a double-edged sword and one of my qualities is if i you know have three french fries i'll go get ice cream after yeah and then i and then i won't go work out yeah and then and then i won't answer that email you know like so so for me it's like if i can always just be at the top of my game um i'm always you know challenging myself to be better with every action that i take and that gets me to where i need to be personally
1: i love that man yeah. Well, it's working too, buddy.
0: Thanks. Thanks. Appreciate that. Right, right back at you. So what was it? When did you join ChargePoint? Four years ago? Five years ago?
1: Yeah. Five and a half. Yeah.
0: Five and a half. So I'll never forget uh, texting you when you were at SolarCity and saying, hey, there's a job open. I think it would be awesome. And I think you guys, would you have a phone interview? And then they flew you out there?
1: I had a phone interview. Yeah. And then the next day, I flew out there. I remember yeah. that. Coast the coast, yeah.
0: And I remember the sales leader at that time calling me afterwards and saying that was the best interview I ever had. Yeah, Are you did, yeah, yeah. yeah, yesterday. Yeah.
1: Oh, did you? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's
0: awesome. Um, and 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 you know, your first position, like you come across better than anybody. So so David Gal uh, handles enterprise accounts in a very special and unique way uh, within the industry. And, you know, that's always been my takeaway. I've kind of seen you always do that really well. What are the three biggest challenges? Because you've been in automotive. You've worked with feeling convenience operators. Yeah. Um, You know, you've worked with a few other tech companies. What are the three biggest challenges electrifying for enterprise customers?
1: Three biggest challenges? a great question, man. Um, So I I guess to frame it in a way that, one, there's multiple verticals, right? Like when we're talking about enterprise accounts. So you hit on this a little bit. And a lot of the sales professionals out there who are listening can probably relate to this, but you know, as you know, Chris, automotive moves very dip- differently than like tech, like a Meta or Facebook, right? And of course, that's different from a Seven Eleven in in feeling inconvenience. And so, you know, my first step, and and in, in any sales role outside of enterprise accounts, it's 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 maybe it's stepping into a territory in general is. Where's the current business? Like who are the current customers and what are we doing there? And furthermore, to expand on that, it's like, who's the, who, who's our contact there? And let's get in there and let's see one, what's working. But I think more importantly is what's not working and where could we can we improve? So I think it's about building a trust from a relationship that already exists. And now if the relationship doesn't exist and it's a break in account, I really think you've gotta know that business almost better than they do, meaning you've gotta know all of their office locations or all of their dealership locations or all of the gas stations that exist in the country. And then for me, it's about, you know, you and I worked closely on this um, when you were at ChargePoint, is what's a, what's a good in for those customers? Like what's gonna get their attention where I can automatically come off as an expert or provide you know some level of, of, of credibility in order to to help them? And so I think that's the intention of any good sales professional is I'm not trying to sell you something. It's like, I want to help you and have a relationship for the rest of our lives. Like that's what any sale, that's the difference between, I think a sales rep and a sales professional, right? And so I, I think like, for me, what I would do is I would map out an account. So if it is one of a, a very large auto group, for example. It's really drilling into the business of where are their strategic locations. And then it's like, okay, well, which OEMs have we worked with currently or who has a program currently going on? And then maybe from there it's it, it's sort of that above and beyond, right? Well, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Customer, I've gone ahead and done the liberty of searching and scrolling through every single program out there that's available related to funding for all of your dealerships. I provided that here for you. And I just want to, you know, can I get five minutes, to just kind of point you in the right direction with this and just Again, always staying relative to, maybe it's an article you come across, maybe it's something, just ways to stay in touch and continue to build trust. But, you know, it takes, I think, six months to build a really good relationship. Yeah. You know, how about, how about yourself too, Chris? You've worked on some, some major accounts. Like, what's been your process on, on that set?
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, would, I would say this. Related to el- electrification, like, I think a lot of these enterprise customers, they're not looking to electrify because they have electric cars and they necessarily see it as the future. For them, I think it's like anything else that they're doing. It's like, how do I drive my core business? So, you know, when you're talking to a fueling convenience company, you got to make sure that they can make money selling electricity. You have to make sure that you're increasing their ring to register. Right. If it's the same thing with the retail provider, Um, you know, how do you get, uh, you know, more uh, in-store sales at a specific location? Um, for? automotive dealerships i think a lot of the conversation has been around uh how do you get more vehicles to be sold how can you uh, make operations more streamlined and more efficient easier for your team um but i think like you know obviously we worked in the automotive space together and i i think the automotive space is so interesting because uh, there's just you know there's so much going on so many unique challenges um in a space that you know, they weren't selling electric cars before, now they are, Right. And, and, and it's really difficult to transition because it's not like you're going, you know, th- this is apples and oranges, electric versus gas. It's not just about installing a plug in the wall, it's, all right, um, how long is that plug going to last? And is that plug the right plug for the future? And is that plug tied to the existing electric building load? And if it is, what is of the utilities' twenty utility rates? What's the best one for you? And how much more does that cost? You know, how many times have we seen two different quotes where a customer is just looking at the charging solution quote as if that's the cost? And the reality is, it's one one fourth the cost. Right. Um, And and so you know, electrification in general right now, and I think anybody who's listening to this podcast would probably agree, is it's the wild west right now. And I think any good um, salesperson at this point in time is going to sort of help slow things down a bit for these enterprise customers. Yeah, like you always say, uh, measure twice, cut once. Yeah, um, that's that. That's what's needed in this in this industry right now. Yeah, and and I think that's what I you know personally would focus on in any enterprise account, or if you are a, a very large company, is making sure that you understand the full picture.
1: It's such a good point about, cause like any anything that you're reading currently, like whatever it is, it's automotive news, wall street journal, it's electric vehicles are, they're not only here, but they're also, they're coming and more and more hitting the road every single day. And you've got almost like this hair on fire type approach from either the GM of a dealership or an auto group. And it's so like, I think you hit the nail on the head with like, let's just take a breath for a moment. And let's strategize not what you need in the next three months, but let's talk about like the next three, five, 10 years and what this is going to look like and how we want to set this up. Yeah. I think it's such a great point, man.
0: Yeah. I think like, you know, if you're a feeling convenience provider, you want to make sure whatever solution that you're putting in there has some type of, because that's the difference. In with with gas, uh, there's, there's a gas station in every corner, but there's no networked capability. With networked cap- capabilities for fueling convenience operators there's so many things to take into account like how do you create a software to drive in store sales uh how do you lower the cost of charging at your location by partnering with other companies that are out there whether it's a fleet operator or it's an auto manufacturer or car dealership or somebody else but the networked element of fueling that relates to charging i think is like this thing that is going to impact how people electrify that uh, that just doesn't always get taken into account like it should. Um, and then you know for for a uh, you know, Tesla, what did Tesla do? They offered unlimited free supercharging for the first 10 years. And I think different people had different opinions. like some people don't think that that mattered or that it won't matter in the future. Other people think that it did matter and that it will matter in the, you know in the future, but but the reality is either way. They pulled a major software trigger over at the beginning of this industry to gain a significant market share.
1: It's a big reason I purchased
0: the Model Three. You know, like I, I love that. You know, got me. Same, same. Um, and so it'll be really interesting to see how software kind of plays out. You know, within within the different verticals. You know, I think every single use case for different verticals uses software in a different way. Um, but and and then I think the other thing, and we've talked about this a million times, but the utility grid. Right, like the utility grid's a hundred years old. There are so many factors tied to how you get charged for electricity that impact you, um, uh, you or that you should be thinking about when you're doing your construction. Yeah, and I think a lot of the times those things are ignored or, or avoided or for whatever the case may be. And for these enterprise customers, you know, you you multiply that problem times a hundred, times two hundred, times a thousand. It can really cost a lot more money. Oh, there, there you go,
1: there you go. You put me on that, and for anyone who doesn't know, Chris introduced a book to me. God, this was probably like six months ago. It's understanding today's electricity business, Um, Mm -hmm. and it's there's just a there's a, a wealth of information in there too. But you're right. I think how little people really know about what the utility and a hundred year old grid and all that. Like I know you had to teach me quite a bit too. So
0: yeah you know it's it for me it's just like a really interesting element of electrification you know there's a lot of talk about it and yeah. and you know on the news or whatever the case may be but uh it's something that i think every company should be thinking about at the beginning of their project um and and at no other time <laughs>
1: great well said, no.
0: so so um talk to me about this uh you know i remember when the automotive space started heating up a little bit and we started connecting about, Hey, like this might be the place to be. Um, like w- what interested you in, in automotive and like what, you know, what still, uh, what still gets you excited about that space today?
1: Oh gosh. I remember, you, you know, for me, it was, I was almost like hoping this vertical was going to take off in this direction and the charge point was going to create this, this team, you know, the, the, uh you you ended up running it was i think to be on the forefront to be just kind of out ahead of the pack and working with a vertical that's turning on but it's not like someone's just dimming the lights up this was just like all of a sudden there was a massive spotlight on automotive it happened at once and you know man the the craziness and the like the I say this respectfully, the the chaos of it of, of being on the forefront uh, um was was just super exciting for me. But as a sales professional, what I the environments that I like to thrive in are teaching, right? And and I think with the with the dealerships, with the auto groups, it was very much about sort of taking all of the knowledge that I've had from the days at Tesla to the days at ChargePoint leading up to this role. And, and, being able to share that with them and cut their learning curve. And I think teaching is a very powerful selling tool as well, right? Like just making sure that, you know, any knowledge that I had, that our customers also had that same knowledge. Um, and I think you can make, you know, with auto it's, it's, it's still, I think very much relationship based. Right. And I think, you know, if you do right by people, like you could have an account for a lifetime, so that's what attracted me to it. And I thought, yeah, it was just really exciting.
0: And I think it was so you know it was so great to see like you know what an incredible team that you were able to build with so many good people. um it was just like the right group at the right time. yeah, lot well, I credit to you for that. yeah, I think like I think automotive was just interesting because as any time that um electrification is affecting a certain vertical, uh. You know, it just it makes it a lot more exciting. And in automotive, obviously, like they need to charge their cars, they need to sell cars. Like that, you know, that's really fun for fleets. Um, You know, very similar. Like just like this thing that really drives their core business. Uh, And I'm really, I'm really excited to see what. Where verticals exist out there where maybe electrification isn't like the first thing they think of when they're thinking about h- how do they run their business where that changes over time yeah you know whether it's you know maybe it's parking
1: i was gonna ask you like what vertical you think would would do i was uh, in my head i was like commercial real estate kind of stands out to me a little bit. fleets obviously about to take off but like i was gonna ask you your professional opinion on like because you kind of had the crystal ball right chris with auto you were a year ahead of me on the charge white side, like starting the auto team, you know? So you kind of saw So I'm curious, like, yeah, with your crystal ball right now, like, I'm wondering what you're seeing now that auto's like almost fully turned on.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't, I don't necessarily, I, I can't say that like that seemed so crystal clear at that time. Yeah. But I, you know, I'm, I'm really, ju- I'm, I'm curious for a lot of like commercial, I'm sitting in a commercial real estate building right now that has, charge point stations in so many locations I'm parked at a charge point station um right now yeah uh, you know I'm really curious, and and so so where am where am in right now is it's a it's a company called Regis. so they have 10,000 locations across the US and you pretty much pay a subscription fee and you work out of any of these offices across the United States and and I imagine I don't know this but I imagine that probably stemmed from covid or you know, the the lack of uh, uh, spaces in these buildings that were being leased and then just, like, a new business model. Um, and I'm, I'm really curious to see, like, you know, if more companies take that type of a business model in commercial real estate or for, like, a, a parking garage, you know, like, if parking garages aren't going to be used as much anymore, how do you integrate charging or other types of businesses in order to, um, you know, in order to in order to make those parking spaces valuable um so I, you know I think right now like fleet and automotive are still core businesses that are being directly driven I'm really curious to see a lot of large retail customers how they can enable this software to drive their core businesses I think so far in the industry for the most part and this is definitely not um, every location but it's probably the rule opposed to the exception. Is a lot of retail locations have had other companies own and operate DC chargers at their locations. So, you know, there's certainly companies out there that are that are doing that. Yeah. But I'm curious to see. You know, you know, we always talk about owning the experience. You know, how how what other type of verticals are going to look to own the entire charging experience in the future? Yeah. And get a little bit closer to it and. I don't know. We'll see. I don't I don't really have a great answer. Um yeah. but but I think whoever's whoever solves that that software experience, I think is going to be in the lead.
1: Now, when you say like solves a software experience, are you talking about the driver's experience overall? Yeah. 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 I'm with you.
0: Yeah. Cause I think part of the part of the driver's experience as a business is how do I enable my core business by providing them a better experience? Like that might be a customer that um, you know, they're just getting free charging at their workplace and they don't have charging at home, so they can't leave where they're working. Yeah. Um, you know, it might be getting a, you know, getting a smoothie at the smoothie shop next to the fast charger or accruing a credit for a future vehicle purchase, like we always talk about, you know? Uh, and I'm cur- I'm just curious to see how that ends up playing out. But I think with certainty, like, you know, there's, we have such a good example to point to We just saw the world switch from flip phones to smartphones, and I remember when my friend came to school and showed me the first iPhone and said, "You know, this is an app." And I said, "I don't know what you're talking about."
1: It's an app, yeah,
0: (laughs) yeah. So I think that's the question in this space, tied to software, is uh, you know, what's an app? You know, what's going to drive an experience that gets somebody to to change the way that they live? Mm. You know, when they're charging.
1: Yeah, really interesting. Really interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, just to stay on like the automotive theme, because we've spent so much time on it together. Yeah. Tell me, what do you think are the three biggest challenges for dealerships and dealer groups in 2023?
1: Um, Dealerships and and dealer groups. I'll start with like on the dealership side. I think some uh, some of the pressure in timelines that are presented to the individual dealerships by the OEMs, um, which I understand where the OEMs are coming from, certainly, right? There's a product to move and I and I get it. And a great product is bad. But, you know, these are these are large, very much construction type projects. And so I, I think um looking at the bottom line of a deal that shouldn't have been the cost that's being sank into the, into some of these initial rollouts um is it is is definitely a challenge. I think what I would like to see more of is a collaboration sort of between maybe it's the top performing, um, dealers in, a kind of a, a rollout of level two into level three and then advanced level three, type stations. On top of that, you know, there's companies I think that are out there, you know, that are, it, it, it's just such a hot industry right now in the, in the automotive vertical is obviously there's so much demand right now that you've got companies kind of coming out of the woodwork too. And so my concern is, you know, if, if you're not going with a charge point or a, a very, you know, a company that's been around for 15 years, if you're going with, you know, just a, a, a newer station or something that perhaps is unproven, you know, do you do you set yourself up for failure down the road, right? Like, yeah. you know, are you going to have to replace that station, you know, a year, two years from now? And is that just some cost or, you know, a lot of that, um... The talk around that, and then I guess finally, like I think for the um, for for the dealerships too, I, I think the biggest thing is is just it's one thing to do the project and the OEM requirements today that's being called for, but I I always caution the dealers to at least start to predict what like could be coming down the road, whether it's the OEM asking for more DC fast chargers. So what I mean by that is. If you're going to do an electrical upgrade, if you're going to do an infrastructure upgrade, let's just future-proof the site, right? And and although we don't know exactly what the requirements may be, we will be prepared more or less. And then also for Mr. Or Mrs. GM, if you ever want to sell your dealership, wow, like what a feather in your cap versus perhaps some of the other dealerships they're looking at if you've already planned accordingly around electrical infrastructure and the new owner can come in and add dc without having to do a full project right like so i mean that's a long it's a
0: great it's a great point it's
1: a long-winded answer man but it's um you know I, I think the dealerships are in this it was kind of like no not yet and then it would, all of a sudden it was like hurry up and go. And I think that's yeah, you know, that's really the I think the biggest challenge facing those those guys and gals. But I'm curious, how about you though? See, like same question back to you. If you had three to pick from.
0: Well, it's funny you said it because those are those are obviously really big deals. Um, yeah, I think it's really tough because when a lot of dealers and dealer groups, when like when they're renovating these locations, they're usually part of these like larger plans that an auto manufacturer might have for them and charging might be one really small part of it. But the reality is you know, a lot of the decisions that you make on day one can impact your costs a little bit later on. I'll just give you an example. If if dealers are renovating a site or maybe they're completely restructuring a, a location, um, they might have to uh, create, you know, engineered drawings and designs for their location far before they might reach out to whoever it is that they're going to talk to about charging stations. I think the challenge is like different chargers require different conduit inside of the ground. And so you know you might think that you're you know your team's putting in conduit, and um you know, and and it might be good for certain stations, but it might box you out of the more advanced stations or the more modular stations. Uh, and I think that's really you know it it puts a dealer in a position where it's like, all right, do we you know, do we rip the ground up again or do we place additional conduit right now? Do we spend more money that we weren't planning on on spending at this moment in time to get a certain unit that will be more cost-effective long-term? Um, and in probably, I would imagine most dealers don't have, or especially dealer groups, don't have a plan for the exact type of chargers they want and how they're going to use them to drive vehicle sales and what utility rate they're going to be on and what conduits needed. And so not having that overarching plan prior to spending all of the money on the different things- I- just it's gonna it's just gonna require a lot of reinvestment in the future and um and and that's gonna be tough that's gonna be tough so I think that's that's one really big thing you know I think the other one is and I you know talked about it all already briefly but you know you go into certain utility territories and you install a level two charger and you know the quote was being compared between two or three or four thousand dollars and they install it and um and the way that it was installed, but cost them an extra hundred grand a year because of the way the utility reads that rate and what their load profile previously looked like. And um, you know, I think at some point, a lot of dealerships, especially in larger dealer groups are going to start focusing on this because, you know, it's such a large Opex number for them annually. Um, and and, you know, I bet, you know, and I've seen it before where whether it's you know, a car dealership or it's somebody elsewhere, Their electric bill goes up and, you know, they think that they have an energy efficiency problem. So they call it the utility. They do an energy efficiency audit and everything's fine. The only difference is how they're being they're being charged. And it's not the utility's fault. Yeah. It's not. You know, the utility's building these general service rates that cover as many customers as possible. And the load profile for EV charging is just so unique um, that it's just important to have somebody that kind of understands that to protect you from really what are the biggest costs and i think that's a you know a big challenge for a lot of dealers and then and then the other piece is like going back to like having a single solution i think that's just so important you know for so many different perspectives like yes um obviously it, it you could create a sales strategy but what happens when you have turnover between salespeople and between service people, and what if it's between six different brands? Like it'd be so much easier if there was a culture around understanding how to initiate a charging session and how to talk about that charging station at the BMW dealership and then also at the Nissan dealership. Yeah. Um. And and what does what's the cost of retraining employees uh, across different locations when you have all these various solutions as opposed to um, a single solution. Um, yeah. So, you know, like there's there's just a, a lot to take into account uh, beyond a station being a being a plug in the wall. And we've talked about this before, like you know, the the switch from the CCS to the NACS, which I'm in support of personally. Me too. Yeah, I think I think it's awesome. Um, but you know, how many stations are out there that have cables that are, you know might not be replaceable, and and what's the plan?
1: And to your point like how many of the dealers or gms are asking that question i get it a couple like here and there throughout like the course of a week but it, it's not nearly the volume of questions i was anticipating being asked like dave what is ChargePoint's plan for the nags right like yeah what are you what are you guys doing i think it's even for the dealerships i think to your your bigger point here too is even knowing what questions to ask i think is also a big part of this learning curve for them You know, yeah, so much information to know and to learn
0: the size of a power module and a DC charger and how that impacts the charging experience based on what's a kilowatt state in charge. Yeah. You know, there's just, there's just so much. And, uh, you know, there's, again, when we talk, we've said it, it's the wild, wild West, yeah. but it's also, you know, where there's a challenge and in, in a market, there's a huge opportunity for a lot of these dealers and these dealerships too to be industry leaders right now.
1: I think so too. I, I think obviously with change comes opportunity. And I think to your point too, like, I think I'm really curious and, and I don't know what this is going to look like. I'm really curious too. You had mentioned like the utilities and rates how software and artificial intelligence also starts to begin to play a factor into whether it's utility, whether it's dealerships or, or whatever it is, and how artificial intelligence starts to hopefully help is I guess where I'm going with this and from a cost perspective. But I guess that remains to be seen too. But yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I think we're attracted to it for the same reason we've said it a bunch of times. It's a fun, yeah, fast paced, you know, vertical to be in. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. Well, you know, I guess my, my last question for you, you know, if you were an EV charging or just a company looking to do EV charging, like what's the like one piece of advice you'd give somebody who's like at the beginning right now
1: of their decision-making process? I think we, you know, just encompassing like our conversation this afternoon, I think, um, the biggest piece of advice, even with all the pressure coming perhaps from an OEM on deadlines is to take your time with this. Um, I love that. To speak with experts, right? Like yourself, right, Chris? Like, I mean, if, if I was at dealership, I would wanna make sure that I'm just doing my due diligence and I've got this list of questions that you and I kind of went through on this podcast where you could literally get <laughs> yeah. to this and, and, and be able to ask um, either your your partner who. Um, your channel partner or your um, the company that you're working with like a charge point and just see what their comfort level and knowledge base is on on a lot of the stuff that we're talking about like hey chris you know how are you going to help me with utility rates like that's a simple question that anybody could ask and i think really have like an interview process and go through the right steps, right? Like with ChargePoint on our team, we want to make sure that we're, you know, taking the 15 years of experience that we have and making sure that it's the customer's experience too, you know, like they they'll get all of that knowledge and, you know, in the end, even ChargePoint's competition, like we're all on the same page or same team in the end where I think we all do this because. We want to do something bigger than ourselves. And we've got a sustainability focus too that kind of gets us out of bed every morning, but it's a lot. And so, again, I think what, what's the Navy SEAL adage? It's uh, slow is smooth and smooth is fast, right? Like, yeah, it's kind of like, That's kind of the attitude you have to have with this and kind of almost have the blinders on and block out a lot of the noise. So just slow down. That would be my my, (laughs) one piece of advice. (laughs) (laughs) Easier said than done. I know. It is.
0: It is. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Cool. And then then my last bonus question for you, um, you think the the Celtics are going to take it this year?
1: Do I think the Celtics are going to take it? Lie to me. You know Chicago Bulls. Celtics are... Are are my number two. I to me. Uh, <laughs> I hope so. What's going on with Jalen? Is he still there?
0: Oh yeah, he just signed the biggest contract in the history of the uh history of the NBA.
1: Did he? I. Um, he's doing okay. Yeah, I love Stevens. I love I love what he's done over there and the team that he's built. I'm hope you know it was a shame when like Tatum got hurt last year, obviously like in the last game in playoffs there. So yeah, man, I'm I'm pulling for him. That city doesn't need any more championships though either. That city's got, how about spreading the love a little bit to Chicago? How about that?
0: We're not We're not looking to spread any love. Uh, <laughs> I know you're not. Time. Yeah. <laughs> hey, can I ask you a bonus question, Chris?
1: Yeah. For any of the entrepreneurs out there. So what's one thing that you...
0: I think I already know
1: the answer. You Keep knew going. you would love about kind of being your own boss and having your own company. And what's one thing that perhaps has caught you off guard that you were like, Oh, geez, that's a little bit harder than I initially thought it was going to be.
0: Oh, that's a, that's a great question. That is a great question. So the answer to the first one, which I knew the answer would be this. I love learning.
1: And that's great to hear that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so like, obviously being a new business owner, you have to, you have to learn a lot really fast, be nimble and, and be ready to, ready to adapt, ready to like, you know, learn about new things just in general. So, so I certainly have, have done that. Um, and then uh the most the most difficult <laughs> the most difficult part is i love the fun stuff and like what we're doing right now and talking to customers about electrifying and like creating great solutions is really fun but you know the insurance yeah yeah you know that that type of stuff you know you know making sure that that cash flow is is effective and and strong and, 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 all those things that, uh, it's critical and, I, and, and, you know, do it every single day, but I can't say like, it's like the fun part of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I would say like the thing that's been the, the, I know you didn't ask this question, but the most inspiring thing about doing something like this for me has been that, you know, when you, when you tell people that you're going to do something like this, like you're going to go off on your own and, uh, and start a business and you get a, you know, hopefully what people, you know, you know, believe and that you believe is like a really strong why is that people want to support people starting businesses especially other people who own businesses have reached out and, and really helped and it's been you know across the board and so like I think that's the thing that's like it's kind of struck me yeah and um, it makes me want to help people who are starting something new yeah I think that's been like that's been the coolest thing for me so far
1: yeah that's a great answer man and you said it yesterday. I, I love that you're like just—it's nonstop learning and you, like just being a sponge and, and taking it all in. You know,
0: yeah, it, it's uh, it's fun to like on a daily basis become more diversified and just you know a little bit better at everything. Yeah. As a as opposed to a few things, and so you know the 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 mantra that I know you would live by is that you know you're always trying to put your best foot forward and kind of learn a little bit every day. And like this is a great position to do that for me.
1: Yeah, that's great, man. I'm stoked so for it, yeah.
0: Well, hey, thanks for joining. I uh, really appreciate it. A pleasure. This is fun. I hope I get invited back.
1: And we can just keep talking about like philosophy. Yeah. Things like that, yeah.
0: Not if you go down the Chicago Bulls road again.
1: <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> well, thanks for the time. And uh, I'm sure we'll catch up soon.
1: All right, buddy. Always a pleasure, man. I'll talk to you soon.